Hello, and welcome to this APQC Knowledge Management Podcast. My name is Ken Heyman, and I am a research specialist in the Research Services Department here at APQC. I'm pleased to be joined today by APQC Executive Director Cindy Hubert and KM Research Program Manager Lauren Trees. So in 2013, APQC partnered with its KM Advanced Workshop to identify 10 barriers to enterprise knowledge sharing. Over a series of KM podcasts, we'll address all 10 of these barriers. So another recognized barrier to knowledge sharing is time. Now, what does time refer to? <laughs> so, I mean, time in a literal sense is the minutes and hours that it takes to participate in the knowledge sharing. But when we talk about time as a barrier to knowledge sharing and KM participation, I think it's really a psychological barrier. So it's more about how long it feels like it takes versus the actual elapsed time. I, I always think about this, the time that you're watching the microwave tick down versus the time when you're actually doing something you want to be doing. Um, so it's not necessarily about, well, getting the process from five minutes to four minutes. It's about how people feel about the process. Right. So, uh, along those lines, describe for us how a lack of time can be a barrier to knowledge sharing. Oh, Kim, this is a great, a great request. So examples of time as a barrier include a lot of things. Employees who think they're too busy to share knowledge. Employees who see knowledge sharing is outside of the scope of their jobs. And let's stop, let's pause with those two because what we have found at APQC through our research and years of work is that people actually don't hoard their time. It's a perception that that's what it is, I don't have time. Or, but, but they, excuse me, they don't hoard their knowledge, they hoard their time. There it is, the, the better alignment. And this is a, something that knowledge managers have to be very mindful of is that, again, we go back to the value proposition of sharing. Because if it's not embedded in the flow, if I do have to leave my day-to-day -day workflow to attend a community of practice, I have to be getting value out of that, talking to the experts, understanding um, how to solve problems and what problems have been solved that I can take back and speed up my own cycle time so I do have time. So then it becomes a benefit to have that. So we see that misnomer where it's about hoarding knowledge, it's not, it's about hoarding time. The other thing that um, I think that we don't pay attention to is the learning curve for use of the tools, the knowledge management approaches. Um, I think it's real important um, when you start talking about how you engage in a knowledge sharing system is to get very tactical and give great examples to your staff, to your employees, to your audience, your, your customers of how you actually share. And that could be engaging in a conversation on the discussion forum. It could be posting a question, responding to a question, um, sharing new ideas, and having people open to collaborating with you in a space that is not always synchronous, but asynchronous. So I think that's a really important place, too. The other thing, I think, in terms of the learning curve, and again, the investment of time is that the CAME approaches that involve inefficient or non-value-added activities such as asking the expert over and over again to ask the same question, become a little tiresome for people. And what we know about technical communities, Lauren, you and Carla did this research years ago on how smart le leaders leverage their knowledge and experts. Um, it's, it's that technical teams 
run away when they start thinking there's going to be administrivia involved. They want something really value-added, and I think that's something to be mindful of as we set up our knowledge and infrastructure. Yeah, sometimes I think there is a real barrier with time when you have a community leader, for example, who doesn't have any additional time allocation. You're not saying, well, you can spend 5 or 10 or 15 percent of your time on this very, you know, intense activity, and it's all above and beyond your normal job. But usually when people say that they don't have time, what they mean is that it's too hard, it takes too long to learn the learning curve that you're talking about, it's cumbersome, it's boring, I don't want to fill out 18 metadata fields to submit this piece of content. You know, it involves some of those repetitive activities that you're talking about. And just fundamentally, I don't see value in it. So if you're addressing the value for the individual and the organization and making the processes relatively easy, then I think a lot of this barrier gets mitigated. Absolutely. You, you brought up one more thing I want to point out. And that is, you when you start, you're setting up your knowledge sharing infrastructure, people, processes, technology, with some strategy included in all of that. You've got to consider the time factor that you are requesting. You mentioned earlier community leaders, um, moderators, people in the flow of work now that you're going to ask to watch how knowledge flows. You will not get a lot of results or any good outcomes if you just say, put this on top of your daily job. You better sit down and figure out how that impacts the person's performance and what the expectations are and allocate some percentage of time to that. Because it just doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen at night. Well, we see this over and over again in our research. Organizations that allocate time for knowledge sharing get much higher participation rates and better results. But again and again, we talk to organizations who don't, you know, they don't either have the commitment to do it, they don't want to do it for whatever reason. You've got to let people have time to participate, especially in those early days when they're doing that learning curve and they're learning how to use the tool. Perfect lead into our final question of this podcast. Um, can you offer us some ways to address time-related barriers? Well, I think we've already talked through some of them, you know, around getting people to spend that time and, and dealing with the structural, the measures issues that have to, that relate to giving people time to do this. If you want them to be 100% billable on projects and you're not going to give them time and value that time to, uh, to transfer the knowledge, then it's not going to happen. But beyond that, I think more generally, it's really about respecting the time that people put in and making sure that they, they're getting value from it. Absolutely. And I think it's about delivering knowledge at the teachable moment. Remember what we mean by the teachable moment. That is when someone is most open to learning. And that doesn't just happen. It happens, well, the learning moment happens all the time, every day, for different people in different ways. As leaders and knowledge management practitioners, we've got to spend some time thinking about what knowledge is most critical to flow and begin to understand those points at which people are getting new knowledge, where innovation occurs, where they are there are opportunities for collaboration. This is what knowledge managers can drive to be most aware of. Yeah, I mean, you've got to make the tools easy and intuitive, and I think 
a lot of organizations just put tools out there and they think that they tools are intuitive. But you've really got to engage focus groups. You've got to survey people, figure out, well, what is preventing them from, you know, what do they feel like is taking up too much time in the process and see if you can address those very specific problems. And make sure, as Cindy was saying, that you're capturing valuable knowledge, that you're getting it to people at the right moment because that's where they start to see value from the process. And this, I'm too busy, I couldn't possibly have time for this, all of that melts away when you start to see, oh, well, I shared this knowledge and I see over here that it's making this process better or it's helping you know, this individual or it's helping me in a future project. You know, once you start to see all those pieces come together, I think it really changes. I love it. And so one more thing you made me think of, Ken, Lauren, and I may go on all day with this, but we won't. But in the, in the next of time, I also remember that the power of recognition. So that breaks down a lot of barriers around time when something does happen that's positive or it can be a lesson, but that it is recognized by the organization as being what we want to see in terms of behavior. Okay. Well, that was a terrific conversation. Um, thank you both for your valuable insight on this topic. We'll look forward to our next KM podcast where we'll address other barriers to knowledge sharing. If anyone would like to learn more on this subject, we invite you to visit the APQC website, www.apqc.org.